and Beauty Podcast starts right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Aspen and Butic Show, taping from Los Angeles, California. I'm Jake Aspen. He's Dan Butic. Dan, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Doing well. A lot to talk about today. Baseball getting underway, and the Warriors still doing Warrior-like things at 54-5. and five. Never losing games. Never losing games, so... It really is. I mean, we'll, we'll touch on that first. They're, they're, it's been so remarkable what the Golden State Warriors are doing and how they won on Saturday night and really just how they are putting together wins. It, it's remarkable. Every night, it just it, they're must-watch basketball right now, and we haven't said that in a while. They're, they're becoming a phenomenon in the NBA. It's great to watch. No question about it. Baseball, you said it, also back. Mets and Yankees, we've been talking about them the past couple of shows. We had Wally Matthews on of ESPN New York right before spring training started. To preview the Yankees, we had Dave Lennon on of Newsday to talk a little bit about the Mets. A lot of people are high on the Red Sox, though, so we'll touch on them a little bit later. I find them very similar to what this Yankees team is, so we'll play a little MLB over-unders a little bit with some of the teams that we normally talk about the most on the show. But we begin with the Warriors, as you said, Dan, because what Steph Curry has been doing and what this team has been doing has been otherworldly. They're 54-5. and They're playing as well as you could possibly play in today's NBA. And to think that they won 67 games last regular season and they won an NBA championship. What an encore. And here they are. They come out and they start off. What do they start? 24-0 or something ridiculous. 22-0. Whatever it ended up being. You know, they have been unbelievable. And I think, and I've said this before on Twitter and whatnot, if they stay healthy, meaning Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, they don't suffer any serious injury. I don't see how they don't break the 95-96 Bulls record and win more than 72 games. Well, it just seems like it's a matter of time. And uh, I believe I saw that at this point they have more wins. I think it's they have one or two more wins than the Bulls did. They're on pace to break it right now. They're on pace to break it right now. And it just seems like they are. I can't see them. And I looked at the rest of their schedule, and there are a couple games that might be, you know, maybe some trap games, last game of a road trip, things like that that they might – might lose a game or two, but it just doesn't seem like they're going to be able to lose five more games and and, and be 72-10. and 10. I think they're going to break the record by one or two games, and I just can't see them losing five more games. They're just, they've played so well. Steph Curry has just been unbelievable. He broke his own single-season record for three-pointers this year. I, it's remarkable what they're doing, and you credit Steve Curry, you credit uh, Walton. I don't know who to credit. It, the team is just this good. They have that much of talent. And who would have think they got a Draymond Green in the second round, that that guy was a second-round draft pick in the NBA draft, which is really, when you talk about an NBA draft where there's only two rounds, if you're picked in the second round, you know, it's tough. It's tough to make it in this league, and Draymond Green has become a top-tier player to go along with Klay Thompson, to go along with Steph Curry, to go along with these guys that they've built a nucleus with that they already know can win, and now at 54-5, and five, I mean, it just seems like they're on their way to another NBA championship. I it would be a monumental disappointment at this point if they do not win the finals. And you look at how they've been built. You mentioned Draymond Green, a second-round pick. They're built from within. Klay Thompson, another draft pick. You know, they surrounded this nuclear Steph Curry. I mean, I don't have to tell Nick fans. Steph Curry was picked one pick before the Knicks took Jordan Hill in the 09 draft. And that picture, you see it all over social media, of the Knicks name up next on the board and Steph Curry right in front, (laughs) picked by the Golden State Warriors as a Knicks fan. It's agonizing to think what could have been because all the rumors saying the Knicks would have picked Steph Curry. Steph Curry wanted to be a Nick. So frustrating from the Nick, pa- Nick fan standpoint. 
But could have changed the whole pace of the whole course of the franchise. Absolutely. Real quick, Johnny Flynn got picked ahead of Stephen Curry at number six to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Think about that pick. My and, God. And Ricky Rubio. Rubio was, uh, what was he, a top three pick, Rubio, or second was overall? Rubio, I don't remember off the top of my head, but wasn't Rubio and Flynn back to back? It might have been. That actually might have been back to back. I think And look, people questioned why they took uh, two, guards. two guards that high in the draft. I mean, that set Minnesota back. They ended up blowing it all up when they. Traded Kevin here, Love. Here, They're on the right path now, but think about how different this draft is. If you redo it, Steph Curry is by far not only the number one overall pick that year, but, I mean, we're talking about an all-time draft with Curry going that high. Instead, he falls to number seven, one pick before the Knicks at number eight, and the Warriors have never looked back. And Steph Curry was picked seven overall by the Golden State Warriors. You said the Knicks had the number eight pick. They picked Jordan Hill. The guy's taken ahead of Stephen Curry. Blake Griffin with the first overall pick. For the Clippers, Hashim to beat. Remember him, what Hashim to beat from UConn. Think about that to the draft. Memphis Grizzlies. Bust, go through it. It's a ton of bust. James Harden at three to the Thunder. Good pick. pick. Tyreek Evans, mm, nice player. More nice player. Minnesota Timberwolves back to back picks: Rubio, Flynn, Curry, Jordan Hill. Brutal. Off. Brutal. And then Demar Derozan got picked. So too, really, I, I shouldn't say there was a ton of bust there. There were a couple guys that maybe haven't lived up to their expectations. Obviously, to beat's a huge bust. Blake Griffin. You know, he's been a very good player in this league. I know he's out right now, and the Clippers have played I mean, well without no one him. To the, no one to the point of how good Stephen. I mean, no, Stephen Curry's becoming an all-time great. He's unbelievable. And here's the thing with Curry. People want to talk about, you know, could he be one of the greatest players of all time? And I want to stop right there and say, let's just appreciate for what this guy brings to the game of basketball. He's changing the sport. I have no idea if Steph Curry's going to be one of the greatest of all time. He's going to have to do it longer than what he's doing right now. Like LeBron has dominated the game the last 10 years. But right now, you can make a serious argument that not only is Steph Curry the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA, but when it's all said and done, if he keeps up at this pace, he'll be one of the best players all time in the league. And instead of debating, you know, is he better than so-and-so? Is he better than this player? Let's just realize the way Steph Curry plays is changing the NBA. We've never seen a player do what he's been able to do from his handles with the basketball to his shooting to the way he could take over a game. It's really revolutionizing the sport and the way the game is played now with smaller players out there on the floor with the guard play that it is. Steph Curry's represents what does the NBA is all about now. He's turning into not only the best player in the league, but an all-time great if he keeps this up. And, and it says a lot. I mean, to keep up what he's doing is very tough to do. But I will say this. No matter what he does the rest of his career, I, Steph Curry has, has, has etched his name into basketball history. What he has done uh, this season, going back to last season, obviously with the Warriors defeating the Cavs in the finals a year ago. I mean, Stephen Curry has etched his name into NBA history. And... You look at the projection of his career, it looks like he's going to be on that path of an all-time great if he can keep this up. But the guy is such a good shooter. He's got such great form. I have never in my life seen a guy that can get the ball and pop it out of his hands so quickly and finish with a perfect form and drain a three. He is so quick to get rid of the basketball out of his hands. It's, it really is... It's like it's like it's like or it's an art form. Well, he's got this. it down to an art form, imagine, and it's amazing to watch. But Dan, imagine saying that you're the best in the world at something. It could be anything. Steph Curry is the best in the world at shooting a basketball, and I don't think anyone would debate that. You know, you I look mean, right at what now he's he done. is. Right now he is. Look at his record. He broke his own single season record for three pointers made, and at the time there were still 24 games remaining when he broke it in that incredible f- performance against the Thunder last Saturday night. You know, Steph Curry. We're watching someone here that not only is a special talent, could be one of the best of all time, but 
people are going to remember Steph Curry for the way he's played the game. We've never seen a player shoot like him. We've never seen a player be able to take over a game like him. And I think people love Steph Curry so much because you look at this guy. You know, he's not the tallest on the court. He's not the strongest on the court. He looks like a normal average Joe type of guy. And here's a guy lighting up the NBA. And there are a lot of people right now that would take Steph Curry. Right now, not all time. I don't want to discredit LeBron James, but that's where I'm going. There are a lot of people right now that would take Steph Curry over LeBron James. And that just tells you how great Steph Curry has been the past couple seasons for this Warriors team. Curry has been phenomenal. And the question of whether I would take him or LeBron, I mean, that's a that's a tough decision. I don't know if I'm ready to say he's a better basketball player than LeBron, but he is a better offensive basketball player than LeBron. I mean, he, he is at least he has shown in the last couple of years that, you know, there is not a player in the NBA that's going to keep up scoring with him. And I think what helps the aura of Stephen Curry and the fact that he is the best player, and what's gotten him that that publicity is not only his numbers, but the fact that the team is so damn good. They are loaded. It, it's just they are so good. It's not like he's a it's not like he's an all time great on a good team. He's playing like an all-time great on an all-time great team. It's the perfect fit. I mean, this guy is not, it's not like he's, he's, you know, he's, you know, he's taken a, uh, you know, and not to compare him to LeBron James, but, you know, LeBron went to the finals in 2006. LeBron James is one, is the best basketball player I ever watched. He went to the finals and played unbelievable in 2007 with a Cavs team that really had no business being in the NBA finals. I mean, look what LeBron even did last year in the finals. I thought he should have been the MVP of the series. And that's how good LeBron James is. I'm not taking anything away from LeBron James. I'm just talking about circumstance. You look at the circumstance, Steph Curry is on the best team arguably ever when it's all said and done. When this season comes to an end in June and the NBA finals are over and we're ready for the offseason, you may, and there's a very good chance, you're going to look at this Warriors team as not just the best team this season, not just the best team in the last couple of years, but one of the best teams ever. And that that just that adds to that aura of how good Stephen Curry is, and he adds to it. But they are so loaded, and they and they set each other up for shots. I mean, but the chemistry between Steph, Clay, and Draymond Green. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Their spacing on a basketball court, it's second from, to none, from an offensive standpoint, is incredible. When you have a guy like Steph Curry that could shoot it from anywhere, and we saw that last Saturday night, we've seen it all season. When this guy has the ball in front of the half court line, he's an offensive threat. And that's dangerous. That allows you to space out the floor as well as they do. Clay Thompson's tremendous. Draymond Green, we touched on him earlier. He's a tremendous basketball player as well. And they all fit perfectly with what Steve Kerr wants to do with their offense. And the part about the Warriors that I don't think gets talked enough about is the fact that defensively, they're one of the best defensive teams we've seen in a long time. We always talk about their offensive numbers, and rightfully so. They're tremendous. But... They defend well. They're a great two-way basketball team, and you don't win more than 72 games without playing both sides. And you don't win 72 basketball games without playing both sides of the floor. Offensively, we know how good they are, but defensively, the Warriors are as good as a defensive team as we've seen in a long time. Tremendous basketball team, and it's no coincidence why they're on pace to break the 95-96 Bulls record. And... They are on pace to do that. If they do do that, go through the NBA playoffs, get to the finals. Even if they don't get to the finals, say they, for whatever reason, they don't win an NBA championship here in 2016. You got to say the season's a disappointment with the way they've played, how good they are, how they have dominated the rest of the league. If this team doesn't win a title this year, I'm sorry. It's a disappointment. It's got to be. They've been that good. And they have set the expectations and the level of expectation that high 
coming off a championship at 54 and 5. If they don't win the finals, I think it's a disappointment. You're right. And I mean, last year, they kind of caught people by surprise with how great they were. Go all the way to the finals. They hold off LeBron and the Cavs. This year, I mean, we expect them to win every night. They've been that good. I mean, they basically have. And if for some reason they go to the finals and they don't win, whether they lose to the Cavs in the actual NBA finals or in the Western Conference finals, say they get against the Spurs and the Spurs somehow shock the world and pull off the upset. I mean, I'm sorry. You know, at this point, if you break the 95-96 Bulls record, for you to be remembered as an all-time great team, you got to go all the way. You got to win the title. I'll make the comparison to baseball for a moment. The Seattle Mariners won the most games ever in the regular season at 116, but they lost to the Yankees in the playoffs, and we don't remember that team as an all-time great team. We remember the 98 Yankees for what they were able to do, winning 125 games total, including the postseason, as one of baseball's best teams of all time. If you're the best team of all time or want to be in the conversation, you have to put that championship on your resume. So as good as they are, and I wouldn't pick against them against anyone, I think it's going to be very difficult for any team to beat them four out of seven times in the postseason. But for them to be an all-time great team, if they set the regular season record, which we both think they will, they're going to have to go all the way and win in the finals. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, you take it like it is. They did win a title last year. They they are the defending NBA champions, so we're, we're not taking anything away from them. But at the same time, when you dominate like they have this year, the expectations are to win the NBA Finals. And it's not like they're really good. They're exceptionally good. They have dominated and beaten up on every team in this league. They've only lost five games. They've played 59 games and lost five of them. The it's remarkable. Five games every week. I mean, think, I mean, think about how remarkable it is to be that consistent through 59 regular season games. It's amazing. It is really one of the greatest things I've ever watched. Well, in I think this might be the best team I've ever watched. It is. I oh, can't think of another hands team. Down. This is the best team I have ever watched, ever take a floor, ever take the floor. Maybe in any sport. See, I, I, like, it's tough to compare sports. I understand I mean, that, that. That I've watched. But have we seen a team ever this dominant? I guess the 07 Patriots, but... Perfect example. They the 07 Patriots That's right. lost to the Giants. You know, you will not be remembered as think, an all-time great team unless in, you have the championship. I think in my life, that's the only reasonable comparison because that New England team was just beating up everyone and smoking everyone. They were amazing. You know, take away the Super Bowl aside, that's how they were. I, they were at the Warriors level. That I will. That's a good point. That team was. Outside of that team. I can't I, think of a team. I can't think of a team that I've gotten a chance to watch in any sport. Nevertheless, basketball. That has dominated. And like we've that. had some good teams, teams that win championships, but yeah. not to a point where every night you already know what's going to happen. They're going to win. Yeah. No, it doesn't matter at, who they play. You're absolutely right. And I, I, they are the best team I've ever watched take the, the court and probably the best team I've watched in my lifetime in competitive sports because they are just that good. They're that consistent. And it just seems like every night they're on an, a, such a great flow and the chemistry on the court. And you mentioned defensively, they're the best defensive team in the league and they're the best offensive team in the league. Come on. It doesn't get any much better than that. That's how good they are. They're on a different level right now. And like we said before, if they somehow don't win a championship, it is a disappointment. It is a disappointment, I think. And I think, the you know, even though it's been a great ride for Golden, for the Warriors and, and their fans, they, they got to be thinking the same thing. We got to win it this year. You know, we won it last year, but with the way this season has gone, anything less than a championship is unacceptable. And final point on this, Dan, we talked about LeBron James earlier. Just think what it would do for this guy's legacy if somehow, some way, he goes up against the Golden State Warriors like he did last year, 
but this time around, he wins. Think about what that would do for this man's legacy. People get on LeBron for his finals record. Uh, They understand that he's, what, two and four in the NBA finals now? But if he gets to the finals and he beats this all-time great Warriors team, I mean, you could erase some of those finals losses in the past. That would elevate him to almost Jordan-like for beating a team like the Golden State Warriors. I don't know if it will happen. I don't think it will happen. I don't think any team is beating this Warriors squad. But just some food for thought right there, what it would do for LeBron. It would. It would be huge for LeBron. I think if LeBron can grab a title in Cleveland regardless, be it would be huge. Obviously, if he could beat the Warriors. It's tough, though, because when are the Warriors going to lose? They're all young. This team is not going away You're right. at all. And imagine, I mean, I don't think it will happen, but Kevin Durant might go there in the offseason. I mean, yeah, they're, just, I mean, they're a team. And when are they going to be bad again? I mean, do you want to add Kevin Durant to the mix? Everything's going so good. Do, would you even want to mess with the chemistry on the floor? I mean, you, 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 if you have a chance to get Kevin Durant, no, you, you make it work. You're, no, you're right. But I'm just saying, like, no, that's, that's how good, good they are. Golden yeah, State is. The fact that they think. We're going to debate should they add Kevin should Durant? Add Kevin, Kevin Durant's Dur- the second best player in the sport, no, should, some yeah, would say. But that's how good Golden State is. They can say that. They can say, should do we need to add Kevin Durant? I mean, we're 54 and 5. Do we need to add Kevin Durant in the offseason? Maybe they are at this point. They're fifty-seven and three if they have Kevin Durant in. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's just that's how good Golden State is. As far as LeBron, it would be remarkable if he could beat this team in the finals. And you know, the Cavs have their own issues right now, and that seems to be stirring up a lot of trouble in Cleveland. But if they can rally and get to an NBA Finals again, which I think they probably will, well, who's beating? Them? Who's beating them in the? In, who is beating LeBron James in the playoffs? In the Eastern I mean, Conference. certain things are a given. Death, taxes, LeBron James will take a team to the finals. I mean, he's been in the finals for the five last years. five years. And, there, and, and when you look at the Eastern Conference, there's no reason to think that he's not going to do it again. He's the best player. You can argue right now he's not the best player in the world because Steph Curry is playing on an unbelievable level, but he's the best player in the Eastern Conference. I don't think anyone's debating that one. You can't one. debate that one, and I think... Even though they've had their issues, Cleveland, even though they've had the, the coaching change, they're still the one seed. Everyone's been, they're the one seed in the Eastern Conference, and they're probably going to go to the NBA Finals. There I think the is where they're going to have an issue. Just looking for some sort of story. Well, I mean, right. and, and it went, they're it, the one seed in the East. No, but it happened in Miami, too. We heard all the garbage in Michigas with uh, Eric Spolster. I mean, it seemed, like, it seemed like we were thinking about this team like they were melting apart, and they went to four straight NBA Finals, and now Cleveland... everyone's saying Cleveland's melting apart, and they probably will go back to the NBA Finals. So if LeBron can get back to the Finals, he's got his work cut out for him. It's going to be tough to beat this Warriors Even with a healthy Kyrie Irving Even with a healthy Love and Irving, to to win four out of seven against this team, I mean, it, it sounds impossible. And the Warriors would have home court, and we've learned they don't lose at home. They haven't lost at home in like a year and a half. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's amazing. They're 25-0 and 0 at home this year. I mean, going back to last season, they haven't lost at home. They're the best home team I've ever seen. Talk about a home court advantage at, at Oracle. It's amazing what they and have you there. You go there and you lose if you're a visiting team. I mean, you're basically guaranteed to lose. And that is just the, the aura and, the, and how good Golden State it has been. They've built that home court advantage just like the Seattle Seahawks did over the last three or four years with the 12th man uh, in Seattle. It, it's the same kind of feel, sort of. The fact that you know when you go to see when you go to Seattle and you go to Golden State, the wor- your work's going to be cut out for you. It's going to be tough to win. And as of right now, it seems imp- it is it is because no one has done it. Impossible to beat the Warriors in general, but nevertheless, at home this year, no one's done it. And we're going to get to the baseball over unders. Talk a little Yankees. Talk a little Mets. I'll tell you why one team 
in the American League East is being a little bit, I think, too overhyped. All that plus much more. It's the Asman and Budic Show. Here's a word from our sponsor, Gus Buster Umbrellas. And Donald Trump, Dan, I know you saw this. Donald Trump using a Gus Buster yesterday, getting off a plane with Chris Christie to his right. I thought that was pretty cool. Awesome. Have Gus Buster a part of the show. It's the Asman and Budic Show. We'll be back right after this. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gus Buster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GusBuster.com and get your Gus Buster today. Coast to the West Coast, it's the Asman and Budic Show from Los Angeles, California. Back here on the Asman and Budic Show, Dan Budic alongside Jake Asman. Switching over to baseball a little bit. Spring training underway. Games getting started this week. Cespedes cars everywhere. Yeah, that's right. And a pig. What's up with the pig, Dan? He bought a pig for seven grand. He bought a pig. He wanted a, He's probably going to eat it. So he, he eats pigs. It? I mean, probably. I remember last year I read a story that he he cooks pigs. I guess. Are you a bacon guy? I do. I like bacon. But I, bacon, I think I think he just eats a, eats like they he you know the rotisserie pig thing and he eats the pigs pig. is ribs, right? Don't you get ribs from? No, you get that from a cow. No, I think I don't know. He just eats the pig. Well, maybe he makes ribs from it. I don't. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just think he cuts it up and eats the pig. Isn't it funny how we're still talking about this? How his cars and a pig and anything you want to assess, but this does is become a story. Well, I mean, over the last 10 days, yeah, because of the cars, and it's become and there's, a story. There's nothing going on. There's nothing bad yeah, exactly. with the Mets right now. Well, there's nothing, there's nothing going on in baseball right now, so it's getting attention. Well, we had the Chapman suspension, but no one was surprised by that. Yeah, there's really nothing going on in baseball right now. It's it's kind of like everyone's just getting started. Spring training is getting underway. There aren't major storylines yet. You know, those storylines, injuries, those will play in the next couple of weeks, really. It's just really getting started with games getting underway. But we're talking a little about over-unders. For some teams in 2016, we start off with the local teams. We'll jump to the American League East with the New York Yankees over under 85 games for the Yankees in 2016. This is tough because I don't think there's a team in baseball that could really go either way with this number. I look at what the Yankees were last year. I think they're over and under was what, maybe 81 or something around there, 80 and a half, I think it was. And they won 86 games a year ago or 87, whatever it ended up being. And it was good enough to get into the playoffs as a second wild card team. You know, you look at this baseball team that the Yankees are, and if everything goes right, I think they could win the division. I think they could be a 90 to 93 win baseball team. But if some things start to go wrong, guys get hurt, pitching rotation can't be what many people think it could be. The bullpen, maybe guys get hurt, not as dominant as we thought. A-Rod can't produce what he did last year. Teixeira banged up or not as effective. Beltran aging doesn't give you some solid numbers, you know, you can make a real case the Yankees could regress and maybe be under that number. It's tough. I'd say over because I bet on Joe Girardi. I bet on Brian Cashman making a move if this team is good enough to contend for a championship or they're in a playoff race late. But I think just like a lot of teams in the American League East, a lot of question marks with the Yankees, a lot of question marks with teams like the Toronto Blue Jays, like the Boston Red Sox. So for the sake of this conversation, I'll say over. But like I said, a lot of question marks surrounding the Yankees. He could easily be under as well. Yeah, I'm going to 
it's tough. It is. They're they're one of those kind of uh, bubble teams as far as their over under is concerned. I'm going to say under, and I'll tell you why. I just think when I look at this Yankees team up and down the lineup, we know the back end of the bullpen is good. That I'm not. I'm not. We that shouldn't even be a conversation. Their back end of the bullpen is great, but I just don't think they're going to be good enough offensively to get the ball to the back end of the innings enough times to win games, to have the lead at the end of games. I just don't think they're strong enough offensively. They were very fortunate a year ago, and we talked about it. They were very fortunate last year. They got the type of production they got from A-Rod. They got the type of production they got from Teixeira when he got hurt. You know, they didn't get production from Ellsbury. They are banking, really. They need Beltron to have a good year. They're asking a lot from guys, forget about Ellsbury with the injuries, from A-Rod, who's old. You know, Teixeira can't stay healthy. He's getting old. Beltron's getting old. There seems to be a lot of guys on this team that would fit that DH role. And unfortunately, it's clogged with Alex right now, who's got to be the DH. You can't play him in the field. You also have Headley at third base. So I just think the Yankees are asking too much out of their older veterans to not be role players. But they need 35 home runs out of A-Rod. They need it. If they're going to make the playoffs this year and be a contender like they were a year ago, they're going to need 30 to 35 home runs from Alex. I'll tell you who I think the biggest Yankee in the lineup is. I think it's got to be Jacoby Ellsbury. You're paying this guy he has to have superstar a superstar. Yeah, you're money. right. He has to have a bounce. He back has to year. be great. He has to be as good as he was before he suffered the injury in May against the Nationals that put him out and really changed the whole course of his season. I think it was a knee injury. Gardner had a great first half, made the All Star game, and we've talked about he this before. He was dreadful in the second half. Terrible second half. They need him to be to be really good to pick up the slack in case Arod regresses, in case Teixeira regresses, or can't stay healthy, or in case Beltron, who after a rough April was really the Yankees' best hitter from May through the end of the season and started every game in September and they, as a 38 And they year old. need him to do that again. And another guy I think is it, it, it doesn't get talked about um, is uh, G.D. Gregorius. They need D.D. Gregorius to continue what he did at the back end of last season. They need that production to shortstop. the first 81 games, he had about 234. The last 81 games, he had 294. He was one of the better shortstops in baseball in the second half of the season. I think that's a great point, Dan. You're relying on D.D. Gregorius be more of a consistent baseball player this year, contribute, help the up-the-middle defense. No question he defensively is one of the best in baseball, but the other side of the infield as well. I mean, they made the acquisition to bring in Starlin Castro. That was one of the Yankees' two big moves, Castro and Chapman. They're counting on Starlin Castro to be the Starlin Castro of the past couple seasons, not necessarily the guy that struggled last year with the Cubs before they dealt him to the Yankees and they decided to get Ben Zobras aboard instead. The Yankees relying on Didi, relying on Castro, relying on Ellsbury and Gardner so they can kind of take off the pressure from guys like Beltron, from guys like Teixeira, from guys like A-Rod. And here's another guy I think needs to be much better, Chase Headley. I mean, defensively, he was brutal last year, and that's not something we ever saw from Chase Headley in the past. But they need Chase Headley to be a guy that maybe can give them 20 home runs, driving at 75 to 80 RBIs, you know, be the type of player that the Yankees thought they were getting, that they loved so much, after they traded for him for the second half of 2014, they brought him back, and he didn't have a, he didn't have a good year on both sides of the of, of the field last year, whether he was out in the field or in the batter's box. Didn't play well at all. The Yankees hoping he bounces back, and if things go right, enough things go right, like to an extent they did last year, I think it'd be over. But we'll see. Time will tell. And another thing with the Yankees is you talk about their depth and you talk about the corners, you talk about Headley, and then to share it first, a guy I think that's not getting talked about 
is a, a guy they've lost for the season. They were really relying a lot on Greg Bird coming into the season to be that guy to to give an ease to to Mark to share at first base if he needs a day off. I think the Yankees grew a lot of trust, and rightfully so last year because he played pretty well in Greg Bird. And not having Greg Bird this season to be that uh, platoon, not a platoon, but to be that guy that'll ease to share off a couple of days, I think that's going to hurt them. Well, what do we talk about with the Yankees? You know, their their age. You know, if you lose Alex Rodriguez, who's going to be 41 this season playing the DH role, or you lose Mark Teixeira, who, you know, I don't want to say, he, you know, he's injury prone, but he's been hurt. And last year was a fluke injury, so I'm not going to blame him for getting injured. You know, he broke his leg on a foul ball. It could have happened to anyone when the foul ball hit his leg. But listen, you know, Greg Bird, you're right, was going to be that guy if, Either of those guys went down. You could plug them in the lineup, and I'm not going to say that. And you would have felt pretty good about it. He would it. replicate their production, but you're right. Greg Bird, when he was in there last year, when he got called up, he contributed. He was outstanding, and when Teixeira went down, he filled that role almost to a T. You lose a little defensively with Bird, but that's no knock on Greg Bird. Mark Teixeira is a gold glover for the last decade. You're right. Greg Bird going down. If Teixeira or A-Rod go down, that could hurt the Yankees. Mets, Yank- Mets uh, switching over to the Mets. We talked about the Yankees over-under. Mets over-under is right now set at 88 games going into this season. 88's tough, especially because I think the, high. the Nationals are going to be better. I would say over, though. You know, Until I see this, Nationals team's, this national team put it together, I think the Mets are the best team in their division. I would pick the Mets to win the division. You know, Obviously, you can't predict injuries, but the only reason I'd see the Mets failing here, not winning the division, would be of guys like Harvey, DeGrom, and Syndergaard. They blow out their elbows or they can't give it a go. But, you know, I think the Mets team is the best in their division. And if they want to make the playoffs, they can't bank on winning a wild card with how good the National League Central was last year and how good they should be again this year, especially with the Cubs really improving as well. I would say over, but I think it's close. I think the Mets are anywhere between an 88 to a 91-win team. Yeah, I'm going to say over just because of the fact that they won 90 last year, and I think they're vastly improved coming into this season from where they were when they lost games, you know, game five of the World Series. I think they're a better team than they were now, and you're right. Until I see Washington out there on the field, they have a lot of baggage they're bringing along. The Papelbon issue at the end of last year, new manager. Obviously, we know how good Bryce Harper is. He was an MVP last year. But there's a lot of pressure on the Nationals, as is the Mets. It's going to be a fun two-team race to watch, I think, throughout the season. But I'm going to say over the 88 on the Mets. I think they're a better team right now than they were last at the end of last year. They filled a lot of big holes. They, they, you know, they went out and brought back Cespedes. You know, they, they traded for a Neil Walker when they needed a second baseman. They signed as Drupal Cabrera. They got Antonio Bastardo uh, as a lefty out of that bullpen from free agency. So I, I like what the Mets have done. I would have to say over. I I think it's going to be close. I would say I agree with you. Anywhere between 88 to 91, 92 wins, I think that's where the Mets are going to fall this year. Let's switch to the Red Sox now. I wanted to talk about the Boston Red Sox because I've seen a lot of teams pick the Red Sox to win the division. And my question is, how are they that much different from the Yankees? Their over-unders at 85 and a half. Toronto Blue Jays, they're projected to win the division with 87 wins. That's their over-under. And I think right now, going into the season, you'd have to still favor Toronto for what they did offensively last year. I know they lost David Price, but Boston's relying on guys like Clay Buckholtz to be good. They're relying on that Owen guy to be a good pitcher in their rotation. They have a lot of question marks, and I loved what they did bringing in Craig Kimbrell for the back end of their pen, and they'll have a very good bullpen. But offensively, Pablo Sandoval, I mean, we're talking about this guy because he shows up the camp looking enormous after the team asked him to lose weight. A lot of question marks surrounding Hanley Ramirez and what he could do playing, you know, 
at first base for this team. David Ortiz, I know he's going into his last year and had a good year a season ago, but you know the guy is still 40 years old. What can you get out of him? They have question marks up and down this lineup, and they have question marks just like the Yankees do in the rotation. I don't see why some people value the Red Sox over the Yankees. I think these two teams are very similar. If certain things go right, they could win the division. And if guys get hurt or don't perform, they could easily lose the division. I don't think they're a clear favorite like some people are trying to make them as just because they added David Price and they brought in Craig Kimball uh, via, via trade Excuse me, with the Padres. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think the Red Sox, I probably have to go under just because there are, just like the Yankees, there are a lot of question marks on this team. I mean, Hanley was awful last year. Terrible. And Pablo, Pablo was terrible. Was awful last year. They the paid rotation him to be a switch was hitter. awful last year. He gave year. up switch hitting. The, the Red Sox bullpen was awful last year. The Red Sox were awful last back year. Back-to-back last place finishes. I mean, they were awful last year. So they're banking, like the Yankees are, on a couple of guys having bounce-back seasons. But the only thing I think that favors the Red Sox over the Yankees is you're talking about two guys that aren't, you know, 40 years old. You're not talking, you know, Hanley Ramirez can still put up big numbers. You know, will he? I mean, time will tell. But you're talking about guys that are younger. There's more likelihood that Pablo, in my opinion, that Pablo Sandoval and Hanley will have bounce back years and will have good seasons, you know, than A-Rod putting up 35, 36 home runs again, just because of A-Rod's age and where he is in his career. But that, with that said, it's hard for me to bank on the Red Sox, too. I can't say here the Red Sox are going to win the division. I think if I had to pick a clear winner of this American League East before the season starts, I got to go with the defending division champ, the, the Toronto Blue Jays. I think they're the best team in the division, but I agree with you. The Red Sox and Yankees, both teams can swing either way. You can make cases that they're going to be really good, or you can make cases that they're going to have some rough years, that they're going to have a rough year if if things don't fall right. More so, um, really, for both teams because of that that issue they have. Obviously, the Yankees have the edge in the bullpen, the back end. We know all about it. They probably have the edge in the rotation, too. I think they do. Even with Price, the Red Sox had so much trouble last year. They had so many guys in that rotation that had a bad season. I don't know if adding David Price is going to change that much. Listen, I'll take my chances with Tanaka, whatever he is I mean, at they this gave point. Rick Porcello a thick extension. He was terrible, and obviously they really regret trading Yoannis Cespedes, Dan, and as a Met fan, you know firsthand how great of a player this guy is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the fact that they got back Rick Porcello, he had a bad year, and they signed him to a big extension, and that really put... Uh, Dave Dombrowski and the ownership really in a position where they needed to sign David Price. They needed to sign an ace. I mean, they're they had no top dog in their rotation. I like you know for the short term, I like the signing of Price. It makes sense. Obviously, long term, that's yet to be seen. Was well, probably not going to work out well at the end of that contract. Realistically, just based on his age and how long they signed him to, but they needed to sign an ace. They did, but the rest of that rotation. Still a lot of question marks, and I don't know if just signing David Price and adding him to your bullpen, adding him to your rotation, excuse me, it makes you better, but at the same time, is it enough to put you over the hump, adding Price into the mix of what you had last year, and you're banking on guys, you're banking on Owens, you're banking on Porcello, to, to have better years, they need to. You know, along with how good of a year David Price will have, you need to have your number two, three, four, and five starter be somewhat consistent. You know, you can't have three guys I in the rotation. I think the Yankees have a lot stink. more depth. Oh, absolutely. The Yankees do have a lot more depth at starting pitching. That's one thing the Yankees do have that plays in their favor when you talk about over the Boston Red Sox. The especially, Red Sox don't have depth. And Dan, especially if Severino could become an ace, an ace for this team. And then you look at this Yankees rotation and, hey, wait a second. Yep, Severino could be an ace. Tanaka, we'll see what he is. But at least he's a good number two starting pitcher. He's got to stay healthy also. Pineda, health-wise, but... 
We know what he could be if he's healthy. Avaldi was very good last year. And listen, whatever they get out of CC Sabathia as their five starter or Ivan Nova, whoever it is, they both have obviously had success in the league before. And CC, to his credit, when he added the knee brace the last month of the season, he pitched to an under 3.5 ERA. He was much better. I don't know how much he has left, but as a five starter, whoever it is, Sabathia Nova, not bad options if you're the Yankees. Well, and that's why they have more depth in that rotation. And, you know, one guy they're relying on is, you mentioned Masahiro Tanaka. They need Tanaka to have a, a, a good, a, an injury free season where he, they can rely on him every fifth day. It just, it, he needs to have that type of season. I don't know how much, you know, the Yankees have some depth in the rotation, but at the same time, you know, if they're going to be good, if they're going to try and win a championship and be in the American League Championship Series, they do need Masahiro Tanaka to have a good season. There's no doubt about it. They need him to. You're absolutely right about that. And you look at this Yankees team overall, a lot of question marks. Same can be said about the Red Sox. Absolutely. And that's ultimately my, my point. But let's look at some other over-unders right here, Dan. Chicago Cubs in the National League Central. This is from the bigleague.com. They're at 89. The Giants are the favorites in baseball with 90. So we'll get to the West of the National League in a second. For the Cubs, a lot of people high on the Cubs. Some betting sites have the Cubs as the favorites to win the World Series this year, which is crazy if you're a Cub fan. Obviously, you've never seen it in your life. But Cardinals, 87 and a half in that division. Pirates at 87. And we don't even need to say the Reds and Brewers are at 71 and 71 and a half, respectively. But that division is loaded. Last year, they produced three playoff teams. I just said everyone's high on the Cubs. Over, under 89 wins for the Cubs. Over. I would say over. Uh, they won 97 last year. and Or 96 or 97 last year. And they, they, they're a better team than they were last year. I mean, the question is, are they, are they going to get, you know, a good season out of John Lackey? Are they going to be able to rely on the guys in the rotation? Are the, is Arietta going to have the same type of year that he had a year ago? I mean, that remains to be seen. We've seen guys come in this league, have one phenomenal season, and, you know, then they kind of fizzle out a little bit. So that, there's some question marks around the Cubs starting pitching. But as far as the lineup concerned, I think one through eight, uh, they're the best uh, lineup in baseball. I, I think they are, and I think they are right now the best team in baseball. When, when, it, when you look at uh, every team, I think right now they're the best team in baseball. I'm going to say over 89 wins. I'll take over, too. They were so good last year. I think they improved. I, I, think, the, I think, you know what? If they win under 89 games, I think it's pretty disappointing. It, it would be, because I think this team is so good. There's a reason why they're the favorites. Pittsburgh, ah, they're tough at 87. I'm not sure. I might lean towards under. I can see them coming back to earth a little bit. But, hey, the Cardinals, 87 and a half. I mean, it's hard to ever pick against the Cardinals, because even when people think they might take a step back, they find themselves always in the playoff hunt. They're always good, always in contention for a division in the Central. I'll say over at 87 for the Cardinals. I know they lost you know, some players. Obviously, Haywood, or Haywood going to the Chicago Cubs was their big offseason move. But overall, St. Louis Cardinals, they lost John Lackey to the Cubs as well. They always find a way. I'll say they win more than 87 and a half games. And I'm going to say Pirates under. I think you know, with how good the Cubs are and how still good the Cardinals are, and you look at the fact that Pittsburgh just they're not pouring out the money that the Cubs are for free agents. You know, look at how aggressive the Cubs were in free agents. You look at how aggressive the Cardinals have been in years past. I think you look at the Pirates, I think their window is shrinking a little bit. They had a three, two, three-year window. They were very good last year. It's unfortunate for them. They're in a division with the Cardinals and the Cubs. Uh, the Cardinals, I'm going to say around 87, 88 wins. I'll say over. I think they win 87, 88, 89 games. But as far as the Pirates are concerned, I'm going to say under. I'm going to say more like 84, 85 wins for the Pirates this year. The other compelling division, Dan, the National League West. You heard me just talk about it before. The Giants are at 90 wins. 
The Dodgers are at 87 wins. Giants made a bunch of moves this offseason. The Dodgers have a new manager. How are you seeing this one play out? We'll start with the Giants. They're the favorites, according to BigLead.com, where we're getting these numbers from. Giants over under 90 wins. Hmm. Tough to say. I like the Cueto edition. Um, I don't like Samarja at all. I think I don't think he's a very good starting pitcher. Ninety million. I, I I just I think he's a bad starting pitcher in the major leagues. I don't think he's a good a guy. I would pay ninety million dollars. I know starting pitching is scarce in baseball. I get that. It's a, it's if you're a lefty and you're okay, just, you're getting paid. I just it's, think it's I just think Jeff Samarja is so overrated. I I'm not a big fan of his. Uh, I think he's more. I think he's more of those kind of like Oliver Perez. You get a great start. You get a bad start back in Ali P's Mets days. Ali P. Yeah. Ali P. I'm just not. I'm just not a fan of Jeff Samarja. Cueto. I mean, Cueto was really good last year with the Royals. I mean, we saw what he did in the World Series. Uh, is he going to be able to, to to pitch at that level? You know, a lot of people say he's out of shape. Uh, you know, he's a big guy. Is he going to be able to pitch at the level, the ace level that the Giants need him to? It's tough to say. I- I'm going to say under 90 wins for the Giants. I'm going to say 87, 88. I'll say under, too, because I think that division, they're going to beat themselves up. I look at the Diamondbacks. They're at 84 and a half. They added, obviously, Greinke. They have a really good lineup. You look at the Dodgers at 87. I'll say the Dodgers win more than 87. I can see them winning, like, 88, and I can see the Giants winning 89 or 90 on the dot. I won't say over for the Giants. I'll take under with the Giants. I'll say over with the Dodgers. I have the Giants winning that division but maybe a game or two. I think it's going to be really close because you look at the Arizona Diamondbacks at 84 and a half, and hey, there's a good chance maybe they go over. They get the type of production we think they can get. They brought in Zach Greinke. They made some moves this offseason. I mean, Diamondbacks are a good team. That's really a three-team race in the West, and that can maybe help the over-under total when these teams beat each other up. No, you're right. That's a good point. Um I think the division winner is going to be either the Dodgers or the Giants. I think Diamondbacks are on their way. Granke, uh, Miley, the addition, I like it. I like what they're doing. They're in it to win it. Uh, the commitment uh, by uh, the ownership is there. The commitment you know, by the front office is there for Arizona. I just don't think they're as good as the Dodgers are or the Giants are right now. I just think they're young. They got a nice nucleus. They're going to be good. They're going to be a good team. But I don't know if they're going to be able to stand pat through 162 games with both the Dodgers and the Giants. It's going to be very tough. Up next, we have a really good story coming up about a man, not just a man, the quarterback of the University of Houston, Kyle Allen. He bizarre, talked about, really a bizarre story. This is a strange it's funny, one. It's funny, but it's a little bizarre. I mean, we, we have to touch on it. We're huge guacamole fans. We frequently Absolutely. consume Chipotle, Moe's, Moe's Mondays in Ithaca. To everyone listening who's familiar with that up in the Ithaca, New York area. We'll touch on this interesting, but as you said, Dan, weird story right after this on the Asman and Budic Show. The Asman and Budic Show is presented by Wings Over Ithaca and Gus Buster Umbrellas. You are listening to the Asman and Budic Podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Now when the sun come up, I'll be there to say what up in the morning. Yo, Dan Budic alongside Jake Asman. Jake, interesting story. You brought it to my attention earlier this morning. I knew we had to talk it, about it just, this. I mean, it's so bizarre that I, it's hard, as someone who goes to Chipotle regularly and loves the guacamole, I can't fathom someone feeling this way. I, it's hard for me to, to, to wrap my mind around someone feeling this way about Chipotle guacamole. Listen, Chipotle is a, a phenomenal, fantastic. Put your finger up. 
Listen, Chipotle is a phenomenal and fantastic ingredient to any burrito bowl or to any burrito in general. If you get it at Chipotle, they're going to charge you extra because they know they can because it's so good. It's just hard for me to fathom really being afraid of it. Listen, it's green. Maybe it's not the most appealing color. But once you try it for that first time, I don't know very many people that don't like guacamole. And my next question would be to Kyle Allen, and I don't see it here, if he eats um, avocado, if he's afraid of avocado, which is a major ingredient, obviously, in guacamole. He can't do it without it. Well, is the fear of guacamole itself, or is the fear of an a- of avocado because an avocado is green too. Would would Kyle Allen eat an avocado? Kyle's it's now good, on the phone line. Kyle Allen. Now imagine, <laughs> imagine. I'll join Kyle Allen. Kyle, before we get the football, what's the deal with you and Guac? Ah, you know, guys. Oh my God! You imagine? I'm sure someone in the media will ask him that because it was a, a Houston uh, football beat reporter that tweeted the original quote, and then um, Sporting News ran with the story that I saw on Twitter before it we started recording like, this. It's a very strange story. It's very strange, and it seems like it's one of those things, one of those phobias that should appear on like the Doctor Phil show or something. You know, I remember a couple of years ago I was watching the Doctor Phil show, and they had someone on that was afraid of pickles. You a big Doctor Phil fan? I watch it. For, I dabble. I dabble with Doc with, the, film? with Phil McGraw. I dabble with it. All right. But I, Phil, <laughs> Phil McGraw, I dabble with him. Uh, great mustache. Great. He, he's great. I, I like that. I've heard from some people he's not the nicest guy. Well, I, I, I like Dr. Phil. And, you know, I watch the show sometimes, and I see, you know, they have people with weird phobias. Like I said, I watched one time, and, you know, someone had an, uh, was afraid of, of pickles, and, and it just seems like this is one of those fears that should, that should be on there. You know, uh, afraid of guacamole? What is it going to do to you? Well, when I saw this story, I thought a couple things. One, we have to talk about it because it's very strange. And two, it will allow me to have a smooth transition, which I'm about to do right now, to Chipotle and how they still in 2016, after they've had E. coli issues, after they've had people questioning what the food is truly made of. I think it's sent from the heavens personally. I love it. I'll it's, eat it. it's very good. But, but to, to, to a phobia of guacamole? Well, listen to what I, where I'm going with this. $2 extra for guac. Here's my transition. I think it's time to get rid of the $2 for guac. I think if you want to really make a statement besides giving out free burritos and free Chipotle to the masses after they were closed for that you know, one day a couple weeks ago and why everyone got the free coupons in the first place, how about don't charge people extra for guac? It's time that Chipotle does something for the Chipotle diehard fan. No more $2 extra for the guac because I'll tell you what, if you charge me $2 extra for guac, I'm asking for a cup of water, and don't be surprised if I get Coca-Cola and not water in my cup. Well, that, and that, that the Coca-Cola cup water f- fiasco really all got started from Chipotle, and now people do it everywhere at every sort of... I would of argue Chipotle was the start of that. Well, it, it seems like it was, because Chipotle, and it's a great place, had the, 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 the ridiculous idea of giving a, a regular cup that looked like a small cup that said H2O on it. A, a white cup where you can't see clearly what's in it. I mean, you're just asking for it. You're asking for trouble. And, and you talked about it. On top of that, they're charging $2 extra for guacamole. So what, what does a drink cost? Probably about $2. So I'm breaking even if I'm you're right. getting a, a water cup and putting soda in it. Well, not saying well, I do it well, every not time. not if you're Kyle Allen. It doesn't seem that way. Well, I will say this. Kyle Allen, by not consuming guacamole, he has saved himself a considerable amount of money by not being charged an extra $2 of guac. Well, and do we have in that article how often he goes to Chipotle? It didn't say. It didn't say anything about his Chipotle visits or how frequently he... Nope. Interesting stuff. That's in the sporting news. They put that up. Well, 
Interesting article out of Houston in the Sporting News. Real quick, final point on this. Some Chipotle lovers like myself, if you get guac, always, even if you don't like lettuce, ask for lettuce. Because if they put lettuce over your guacamole, sometimes the cashier can't identify it does happen. that you got Pretty guac. Frequently. And you won't get charged. It also, does- I don't want to review all my tricks here, but Dan and I, for those who know us personally or who have been listening to the show for a long time, we go to Chipotle several times a week. Half chicken, half steak. Sometimes, yeah. Chipotle's great. It has changed the world. If you go half chicken, half steak, chances are you're getting charged for just steak. Or excuse me, just chicken. Saves you another dollar or so. And you're getting the same amount of food on both sizes. You know, if you ask for normal steak and you ask for half chicken, no, half they, steak, they give you the same amount. Like every place, Chipotle has their little nooks and crannies that you can get away with things. And a couple waters, one of them. And obviously, they get you on the guacamole. But you're right. The half chicken, half steak and covering the guacamole with lettuce, they're all, they're all secrets that, you know, that... uh Chipotle, diehard Chipotle fans know and love. Well, you heard it here first, folks. That's right. That's our show. We're breaking That's down all, Chipotle. Folks. Breaking down Chipotle. We're doing sports. Thank God February is over. Baseball's back right. later this month. Spring Into training March, games baby. are starting up. We're already in March. We're getting that much closer to the start of football free agency. So stick with us on the Asthma Budic Show. We'll be covering all that as well. But Dan, another great show, my friend. We're off the class right now in Los Angeles. Absolutely. Off the class, little afternoon class, little government media action here in Los Angeles. Thanks for joining us. This is the Asthma and Butic Show. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at Asthma Butic Show. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Asmund and Butic Show. To keep up with the guys, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter with the handle at Asmund Butic Show.